Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joy podcast from LGBTQIA plus community radio station Joy 94.9. For more information and tons of other podcasts, head to joy.org.au. Always lovely. And joining us right now, we have Gary Maguire, who is the curator of Men Still Shooting Photographic Exhibition at XY. Z or Z? Z. Z. <laughs> Photo Studio. Thanks for joining us, Gary. Thank you very much for having me. Now, I know David's already seen this exhibition, so he'll have plenty to say as well. But before we let him speak, <laughs> Gary, you have a quite an interesting background yourself. Obviously, you're mm. running this photo studio and curating, but you have a research degree in the intersection of photography and masculinity in Australian and Chinese culture. Is that right? Yes. That's quite unique. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you ended up doing that? Uh most of my exhibiting career, my, my own art practice, is around looking at masculinity and looking at why I didn't fit particularly well into Australian Anglo-Celtic masculinity. And my first experience outside of that was a Chinese guy at Mardi Gras in 1991 who sidled up beside me and we had the most bizarre conversation because it was all about what is being a man in Singapore culture, Chinese culture, compared to Australian. Um, I'd just been through depression, a few other things, and a bit of a nervous breakdown and all that sort of stuff. And it just made more sense to me. So all my artwork has been around looking at who are men, and why are some considered more desirable and what happens if you make people that aren't considered desirable put them on a pedestal and say hey look at these guys as well um that what you just said then who are men yeah like can you pigeonhole it you can't can you that's what I found quite interesting is I wanted to keep expanding out from the hegemony, hegemony right uh, and make more options available and be seen as opposed to just a continuous um, parade of what was gay publications at the time. Yeah. And so what did you find when you were speaking to this man from Singapore? What were some of the differences there? Um, in the research, it came down to if there's two stereotypes in Western culture of females, there is also two of males. And those two are um, the warrior and the scholar. Now, in Western culture, the warrior has won. So when we talk about business, we talk about it all in terms of war. We use the language of war. In Chinese culture, the scholar won. The cultured man won. So when they talk about business, it's all in terms of culture and things to do with study and to understanding. Ah, interesting. Yeah. And so masculinity is sort of represented in a different way in Completely. that regard. It's, yeah. it's about being knowledgeable and cultural. Fascinating. And so, I mean, you're in Australia and so obviously there's, as you said, there's combating ideas of what masculinity is here as well. Um, in this exhibition that you've cur curated, you've hand-chosen specific photographers. Yes. What made you choose these particular people? I, we did an exhibition last year called uh, Seeking Adam and in that one everybody was under 35. 
So this one I made everyone over 35. And I kind of looked As at in the photographers. The photographers yep. themselves, yeah. And so I went back and looked at basically my peer group as I was in kind of photographing along those lines. And so certain names were absolute musts. And I pulled them up and I added to them an American guy called Scott Davis whose work I admire because it's all handmade. And the other five what, artists... What do you mean by handmade? Uh, he makes the emulsion, he puts it on the paper, he then uses a dark room to make the print. Okay, so it's not digital. Not digital right, in any way, okay. shape or form. So old edit. school and hard. So complex. You, you, you have to know the formulas and everything, don't you? It's very much maths and sciences. Yeah. Um, mm. With that. And the, the prints have an ethereal quality to them. The process itself was first invented back in about 1870 or 1880s. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the term I was going to use, actually. There's something really dreamy about them. Mm. Um, and they do kind of feel like you're looking into, you know, a Midsummer Night's Dream or something like that, seeing these beautiful men mm. reclining in nature. There's a real, with pl uh, platinum and palladium printing, there's this beautiful soft, hard thing that happens. The tones are really soft, but the details are all there. So when you look at them, that kind of conflict is very different to digital, which is always very, very sharp mm. in every respect. And uh, a lot of the photographers are actually from Sydney. No, two are from Sydney, uh, two are from Melbourne, and one's from Hobart. Right, okay. Oh, what did I think when I went there? Because the one of them moved from Sydney to Hobart. Right, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, there you go. So it's three of them. Uh, all very different, which is smart and uh, the, the way it should be. Uh, there, there's one uh, photographer that's actually used the male body um, as uh, a canvas. Yes. Uh, which is extraordinary. Uh, and... Um, uh, and you're like you're drawn to just looking at this um, piece of art that's painted on a body. Yeah, Rod um, has been working on the series. He told me today for about fifteen years. Right. And he started off. He does all the painting. Um, I've oh, okay. That, yep. Right. And so he started off with Marvel superheroes, and then just migrated as yep. he got kind of bored. Um, and so the latest ones are very colourful. And then at a certain point in the when he's got the shots, he asked the artist to sorry the model to mess it up. And some of those shots are gorgeous as well as right. they start moving the paint around the yeah, bodies. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful. They're like abstract, but there's there's almost something tribal about them as well, mm. seeing them painted up like that. Yeah. And you, you do actually see a, a, you know, like below the belt uh, in a lot of the, the pieces. Well, we like to say that we're an anatomically correct gallery, that we don't like to Ken doll things because <laughs> Ken has been very disappointing compared to Blaine and, and to his, Blaine's friends, um, Billy and Carlos. Yeah. And for those of us old enough to remember playing with Billy and Carlos dolls, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's also, um, you, you were telling me, it's uh, how... How high the, the penis rises oh, as well. Many years ago, I had work published in Blue Magazine. I got chatting with the editor, uh, whose name I lose at the moment, and she was saying that there's a degree that they're allowed to have the penises rise by, and after that, it's considered obscene. Now, I've got to go back and research what that level is, but I'm pretty sure it's perpendicular to the ground. Yes, right. right. No 90 degrees. Yes, can't yeah. be past 90. <laughs> right. But what if you're laying, then it never gets past 90. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Uh, and but the wonderful thing is that mo most of them you do see a penis, but then there are some that you you don't. And you, but you, in the end, you're not really noticing. Um, you know, like, uh, in in my my outlook from it. And there's there's one group and ex Melbourneian who now lives in Sydney that uh, they're all wrapped in bubble wrap. Yeah, uh, Travis's. Now, if you're going Travis, to Travis, Travis who? Travis de Jong. Yep. If you're going to count, uh, if you're going to count right as Sydney, you have to count Travis as Melbourne, because uh, this was his place. He formed a lot of his ideas before going up to Sydney. Um, this particular series came out of the issue of identity and power structures, and it's around fragility and how to protect yourself from those sort of structures. Uh, one, the one that is my favourite is um, I, I actually commented that I thought they'd been on a colour run, mm -hmm. uh, and an Indian colour run, uh, and just beautiful the way they're they're sitting and and there's this one one guy just by himself, uh, just beautifully shot, aren't they? Yeah, they're gorgeous. Um Brendan's, Brendan's work in the studio is just amazing and wonderful. And he's got lots of projects like this. This is just one of his projects he's pulled out for us to show. But if you go to his website, you'll find that he's been working, doing this virtually weekend after weekend after weekend, just changing ideas and playing with the male body. Right. Uh, and then there's this one where a guy's in, and I met, met uh, the photographer, uh, in boxing gloves. Oh, yes. uh, in particular sit and he is a straight man that so therefore you don't you know like you don't really see his face as <laughs> usual from the side or his back uh, but beautifully framed with these boxing gloves on and with a beautiful old 50s dressing table and bits and pieces there's some lovely stuff left out at the Abbotsford uh, nunnery um, and that's where his studio is and he draws on the places around there and some of the furniture there um, and what I really love about his work is the way he layers it so he uses other textures to put over the top of the photo um, in order to create that sense of distance with it um, and it makes it very hard to perv on the guys in the photo if the photographer has um, put some barrier to that. And it, a really successful series of male nudes to me is ones where you do forget which ones mm. are naked and which, one, yeah. like, which ones you can see bits and which ones you can't. Yeah. And there, there's a, a beauty to the group. Yeah. I'm really curious, Gary, yeah. when you did this exhibition or a different exhibition with people under 30, mm -hmm. what kind of differences did you see between the work that they were bringing in and the current exhibition? the bodies were more diverse in the earlier exhibition. Well, what uh, do you mean by that? The current exhibition goes from twink to, I'd say, lightly gymmed. Uh, it, doesn't, it certainly doesn't go into bare um, and there. Uh, whereas the earlier one was, how to describe, m much more friend, like close, close friends in circle. Uh, whereas this one's more reaching out to find people that um, the photographers reach out to find people to be participate in the, the artwork. Right. Whereas for uh, David Lindsay, uh, David Lindsay, and um, he would just get a group of his friends over and they'd make nudes, whatever shape they were. Mind you, they were pretty much bears with David's work. But um, some of the others, yeah. Yeah, right. So in the more recent one, people were seeking actively seeking models as opposed to sort of. Um, more 
just sta- standard, like, you know, friends mm. with, like, different size bodies and... We're in our 40s and 50s now. We're not really running with 20-somethings, which are the the main given-to-be-sold of art in a gay context. Um, In my own personal work, I just keep collecting. I keep trying to find as many diverse, as diverse a model group as I can possibly find. And I'm really interested in how other artists have approached it. with the t- the twenties and thirty somethings, that was just their circle of friends. Yeah, and so with the um, as as far as like photography being something that people collect and purchase as well, mm-hmm. and looking at this exhibition being um, like of gay men, mm-hmm. likely for gay men. Mm-hmm. Do you find that um, these people have been selected or framed like with the male gaze in mind? Is does it translate? to men as well as it does in a heterosexual context to women? Um, depends on the artist. Um, in my, my, th- my exegesis, I called it the given to be sold, which is work made with a view to the audience, what they want to see with it. Um, and in my, own, uh, in my own work, I don't sell very well because it, I don't include enough of what people want to see because I'm questioning why they want to continuously see the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in this particular group, you'd have to ask the artist that question. Yeah. I know I just gave, gave them pretty well an open brief. I said, um, really interested in what you're doing. Love to show you. What work would you offer? Mm. Is yeah. the way we did it. And this, the space, it's, well, one, it's hard to find. Yes. Uh, it's we, which is uh, which is <laughs> really interesting. It's down in Docklands, and you and you think it can't be there, but but it is. Uh, and you've got to buzz to get in, and you've got to go up in the lift, and and then somebody um, sticks their head out of the door and say, "Here we are," <laughs> uh, and uh, and in you go. And it's fairly limited uh, no. the space. Well, it's, it's not a huge space. Um, Basically, I worked with Brian Wallace up at Redgate Gallery in Beijing, and we did a lot of discussion there around how to make a gallery workable. Because if you're doing a photographic gallery, it is really difficult to get the sort of money you need to have a shop front. Exactly. Yeah. And the amount of money means you can only show certain people who have the money, or alternatively, you have to go for government funding all the time. We decided to do it really independently. So I bought a place that um, is allowable for commercial, on the third floor of the Site 1 building in Docklands. And it's relatively easy to get in. Just keep the Nixon Hotel on your right-hand side and follow the wall down and buzz uh, there. When <laughs> you know where you're going, it is, but when you have no idea, yeah. thank God the nice waitress downstairs uh, said, can you help us? And she pointed directly at your sandwich board that was right in front of us <laughs> and said, oh, there it is. And, you go, and, yeah, like, and we, we thought it couldn't possibly. But that's all the adventure of it, isn't yeah. it? And even the space that when you get in there, it's, it's really interesting because it's not like a normal gallery um it's virtually your office space as well yeah. isn't it um it's a soho it's a small office home office it's only 50 square meters so it's not huge um we've got one wall which runs the full length of the the unit which is um what 13 meters 12 meters and then we have some other wall space that we use um i mean 
pulling walls out and making it work and perfecting it over one year of uh, being open. Uh, and believe me, people, uh, there's not many walls you could pull out because it's not very big. <laughs> it was it was what was the private the private office stroke bedroom right. uh, that okay. we pulled the wall out. Uh, and what I love about it as well, you've got some really eclectic. Um, you know, like there's uh, an operating table that's a beautiful stainless steel. It's a really, a, a, you know, a very old one, isn't it? Yeah, my partner wouldn't let me have a sling, but he said I could have an operating table, so I took the option. And it's been much more useful. Uh, the original reason was because I wouldn't take the sling down. Right. Um, so, but the operating table makes an excellent place to serve drinks. It was the bar. And then there's a trolley, a... Um, what, what do you it, call it? A, a gurney. Um, when I... When I, I broke up with my previous partner and he put all my stuff into a storage unit, in amongst the storage unit with the red chairs I'm using, and a gurney, and he described it as a mortuary table initially, to which, to my horror, um, luckily it was just a ward trolley, basically. And so I gave it to a friend and uh, she gave it back and I was a bit shocked. Um, and so she delivered it and I'm going like, what are we going to do with this? And so we have this huge window at one end. So we put it in front of the window to put a television on so that we can play music and you know, show slides, slideshows and stuff. And it was really good because it bounces any light that hits it around rather than a wall unit which just blocks light. Mm. Mm. And it matches the operating table quite nicely. It, it, it does. It, <laughs> it ties does. the room together. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's on now, and it, it's running for the the length of midsummer. For midsummer and some, um, we're right. going through to the twelfth of March, so that we can uh, anybody who comes down from Sydney from World Pride has something to look at in Melbourne, um, equal to anything in Sydney, I will add. <laughs> um, and. Then it's open Wednesday to Friday, 2 to 6 p.m., and Sundays, 2 to 6 p.m. Right, okay. And as I said, it's a little bit uh, hard to find, but you will find it. Uh, and um, when, when you actually read 312, uh, that is what the floor and the, um, yeah. the, the unit number is, and 757 Burke Street, on the corner of Batman Hill uh, Drive as well, in, down in Docklands. Yeah, and the entry is on Batman's Hill Drive, and uh, frankly, I really want the, the building to change the address, because I want to live on Batman's Hill Drive. <laughs> <laughs> Just to upset Marvel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh, sorry, DC, DC. Uh, well, well, congratulations on what you're doing and also congratulations on the exhibition because it's, um, it, it's excellent. You've, you've done a really good job. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much for been talking to uh, Gary Maguire here on Joy 94.9. We've got another- Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community radio station, Joy 94.9. For more podcasts or to support Joy by becoming a member, donating or subscribing, head to joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with Joy. Joy.